Hi, I'm Stuart Huff. At night, I'm a stand-up comedian, but during the day, I spend my time roaming through junk shops that hopefully smell like mildew. I'm not looking for antiques. No, I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price, then they come home with me. This podcast is accurately named Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. to another episode of Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. You're still struggling with it. Well, a little bit. I like that. A little bit. How honest are we going to be on this podcast? Very honest. Are we very it's your honest? Podcast. Brutally honest. Yeah. Okay, well then let, let's just tell the listeners, uh, we recorded, I load up my junk, I live in Georgia, right? And mm-hmm. I load up my car with junk, and I drive it all here, uh, periodically stopping just to look at it, because I like it so right, much. Right, you spread it out on the side of the road. <laughs> just take a look. <laughs> like a gypsy. Just pull things out, take a gander. Oh, okay. yeah, this was well worth okay. $8. And, uh, and then I arrive here in Frankfurt, and then we record until I'm exhausted. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, that makes sense. Pretty much. So this is our second week. So I don't remember when it was, but it was months and months ago. We recorded like 20 episodes or whatever. Yeah. And now this is our second week here, right? Yeah, second recording session. And in between that time, in between the first week of recording 20 episodes and the second week, the title has grown on me. Oh, good. I'm letting you know, Lowell. The I'm glad title to hear that. has grown on me. <laughs> I think you're the only one that's had a problem Stuart with Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. Mm-hmm. Here's what I like about it. Okay. It kind of mirrors my career. It's completely unsellable. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yeah, it's right. not memorable at all. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, just do it. That's boom. Got milk? Boom. You know? Right. Yeah. Fresh <laughs> Prince pro- of Pell Air? Who could r- p- forget it? Right. You know? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Yeah. You know? Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities? Not memorable at all. <laughs> You know, <laughs> destined uh, for obscurity. Hey, not not everyone liked the title Saint Elsewhere, but they won Emmys. Oh, they. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Uh, it appeals to two uh, percent of the population, and I think so. I think it's me. I think those are good numbers, though. It's very good numbers. Yeah, that's 2%. over six million people. There you very, go. Uh, see, so the numbers. That's the guy. reason I have my. I introduced my guest. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, in the beautiful Frankfurt, uh, Kentucky studio. Uh, we have my good friend uh, Lowell. Who are, do you want your last name revealed? Uh, is that I don't care, Stuart. An- anonymity is not important to me at this point, but I, I can be maybe like Cher. I'm just Lowell. Just okay. Just I like Lowell. It. I, I like, like it. Yeah. I like that too. Plus, he can pull it off. He definitely <laughs> right? can pull it off. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Lowell's We're about the, the same s- age. <laughs> different wardrobe right. slightly and different you always wardrobe. say you're quitting but you never do <laughs> That's the case. I, it, this is another reunion tour yeah Lowell's right. like in the who yeah right, right that's awesome so i have my good friend lowell uh who just quick background i met lowell at a comedy show in dayton ohio we immediately started no small talk just no small talk at all he just walks up we start talking philosophy and we have not stopped Right. That's absolutely the case. It's absolutely the That's case. That's awesome. And I love it. And he uh, and then we also have on the other couch. Nice couch. Yeah. Yeah. We have my, my good friend, Matt Holt. Hello. Who is a, a well-known, world-renowned mm. comedian. I wouldn't go that far. I Maybe mean, thanks to this podcast. Th- yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. You were supposed to be here with us all week. And, I know. and now you have to leave. I have a commitment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, what we're going to talk about this episode 
Now, this is a little different. I'm excited because we never know what it is. And normally we know because we can see the junk. Right. We can't see anything. So we are truly flying blind right now. (laughs) You can't see anything. Yeah. And we're going to go a little. This is going to be a little different. Uh, Okay. And uh, we might delete the whole thing. So you're not revealing your junk in this episode. Not right now. All right. Okay. Um, If you're listening to this, that means we didn't delete it. Right. Yeah. That's an excellent point. (laughs) Okay. I'm just making that point in case anybody. That's a real philosophical. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Wow. See? (laughs) The MIT uh, people will be talking about this yeah. episode. And then there might be some people that say maybe it was deleted and then recovered. Oh. You know, okay. FBI so kind theorist. of uh, putting the scraps yeah. from the paper shredder back together. Okay. Did it exist if we didn't record it? Well, now, okay. Before we get into that depth. <laughs> yeah, I can't go that deep. I'm not uh, intellectually prepared. Let's, to go uh, okay, let's pull this giant. This is a little different because this is technically not antiques it's not junk it's not treasure this is something i stole (laughs) (laughs) i'm already in are you in yes absolutely i'm an unindicted co-conspirator all right now if you give me a little time these are do not disturb signs from the o'connell lodge all right uh in kentucky i'm not sure if i want to say where in kentucky yet okay because it is my favorite o'connell lodge okay and o'connell lodge is my favorite hotel chain Mm mm-hmm and this is my favorite one. And let me tell you why. We'll just, let's just crank this open. Let's, okay. This yeah. pecan, let's just crank. Okay. I check into this O'Connor Lodge five years ago, something like that, right? And I noticed that the, the gentleman that's checking me, an Indian, right? Indian guy behind the, which those are my favorite hotels. Yeah. Indian run hotels are my favorite. Okay. For multiple reasons. Use half of the reasons that people don't like them. The smell, I love the smell. Really? The smell of Indian food yeah, is incredible. I agree to me. with that. Yeah. It's incredible to me. It's, I think it's inviting. Yeah. It's, Last oh, name Patel? Uh, Patel. If, if it's almost a, always a Patel. Oh, yes. Patel, yeah. yeah, that's the Smith of India. Yeah, it truly right? is. Yeah. So I love this O'Connell Lodge, okay? And I stay there on a regular basis. Uh, and they know me. They know my name. They know that I have a late checkout. They don't knock on my door. These people and I are friend, as friendly as you can be with hotel clerks, right? First time I checked in there, I noticed uh, the the guy behind the counter has three thumbs. Wait, three it's thumbs? Three <laughs> thumbs. T-H-U-M-B-S. Okay. But only two hands? Two hands. Right, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Just to clarify. Okay. Now, see, I don't know... Uh, how delicate I need to be here, but I would just want to be straight. He should be a movie reviewer, right? He what? Can give it three thumbs up. <laughs> that's the best <laughs> job possible. See, that's if this if this if this episode is deleted, it's going <laughs> to be because, because that. we crossed the line. Yeah, maybe so. We crossed the line. Uh, I know he's got two. F- the the gentleman at the Connell Lodge has two hands, of course. So essentially, he has eleven fingers. He's got three thumbs. He's got an extra thumb growing out of the side hmm. of his of his right hand. Okay, it's not a little. It's a full. It's a regular. Is it articulated. He can move mm, it. There's separ- There is separation between the two thumbs. Okay. So I'm not sure if he can. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if he can like bend it and okay. push a button with it or something. But th- he is. He is uh, just <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> At hiding this thing, really? Okay. Yes. The first time I saw it, I don't. I had been in. The, I'd been. I'd stayed there my, probably five or six times, and had not noticed it. And then I caught him. He reached like in. A, in a, it was like I was checking in at two a.m. He's half asleep, 
And he reached a certain way to grab a piece of paper, and mm. I, I noticed the thumb, right? So then I start staying there more and more because I want to, <laughs> you know. That's, that, that, that drew you to the. Yes, this is fantastic. Okay. First of all, it's my it's an O'Connell Lodge. Right, you're there. You know, five-star yeah. Yelp, you know what I'm saying? Right. And now this guy, and he's nice. We're, we're buddying up. We're getting along, you know. And now he just, he doesn't hide it from me at all. It's fantastic. You well, you, you, he's found acceptance in you. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. That's, I, I like that. So, I so is start, he a step forward on the evolutionary chain if opposing digits are so important? That's very good point. Very hmm. good point. So I, I, I start looking this up and learning about it. In India, having an extra finger is very common. Very common in America. It's very common. It's extremely common. It's very common all, all over the world. Babies really? are born all the time with 11 fingers or an extra digit or toe. Or so it's extremely common. Okay, in this country, we cut it off. Okay, so you it's, know, it's corrected at birth. It's well, the word "corrected" well, yeah. is exactly what I want to talk right, about. Right. That's you see where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about that word "corrected." Okay, he's in India does not uh, use Matt's word "correct." Yeah. They don't cut it off at birth as much. I don't know. They probably do on some, but right. So if you're in India. You're going to see people with an extra digit. You're going to see people with, with an extra toe more often than you would in the United States of America. Okay. You know? So it's like um, that's what I want to talk about this episode is this idea of what is normal. Okay. Normal is, cr is created by us. It doesn't exist. It is He's abnormal because he has three thumbs, but that's because we – declared that two is is what normal is you but know what i mean but he's abnormal but yet had they left it alone he would have been natural right which is and better i would think and let's say let i don't know the numbers on this but let's say the, you know i oh, look here here's what i can say with confidence i was googling this to f how many babies are born with with, with extra digits you know mm -hmm. and it's a higher number than hermaphrodite or inter intersex, they you know they prefer to be called intersex people, right? It's a higher number than that, which really? is a very large number. Okay, which is another thing we can get into. Yeah, this well, it leads directly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look like uh, like in in Haiti, uh, intersex people in Haiti are celebrated. There, there's a parade every year mm -hmm. in Haiti where all the intersex people that were from the youngest to the oldest they lead. The parade in Haiti. They are the most unique. They are the most desirable. I don't want to be gross about it, but it's factual. In what China, I think it is, intersex people are the the highest priced prostitutes that you can get. Uh, in India, it is good luck to have an intersex person at your wedding. It's, oh. a, it's an actual business. To wow. You can wow. hire an intersex person to come and sit at your wedding table and dine with you. It, it means good luck to the to the married couple. Here in the United States of America, for as long as we've been doing this, right, if a baby is born with, you know, mixed sexual, then we just usually snip and cor we correct at birth. The choice is made. The choice is made by the doctor and not told to the parents because it feels criminal. It's criminal. Yeah, yeah. To me, in my opinion, it's criminal. Um, because, and here's the thing, there's no way of telling at birth if a baby is technically 
more masculine or more feminine. That has that doesn't have anything to do with penis vagina. That has right. that's to do with estrogen or testosterone. Sure. And we don't know the levels until you get older and go no, through until puberty. Until you hit puberty, yeah. yeah. Right? So you're making a choice at birth and you are you know, just the odds, you're messing up a lot of people's lives. Sure. So the numbers on how many intersex people are born they vary drastically because a lot of hospitals don't re even report them sure yeah so you can see numbers as high as like one percent of all the babies born you know some lower but doctors do admit that that they don't tell the parents and it is starting to change a little from what i've read they're starting to tell the parents now and then telling the parents to never ever tell the child because mm -hmm. and the reason they do it is they say that our culture cannot handle intersex individuals we can't handle it so let me ask you this so and i and i'm asking this rhetorically because I, I wouldn't have invited you if you would have <laughs> a answered this the other way haiti celebrates them a so-called third world country mm -hmm. we are not mature enough to handle it that we have to risk messing up an entire person's life by making a choice at birth that we don't even know about you know when you say culture, the problem with that is, is trying to extrapolate that out to our everybody that lives in this nation. There are multiple cultures based on generational divides going on simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And we were discussing this before we came on air a little bit, how difficult it is for me at age 59 to understand the fluid nature of how people identify sexually. Yes. But how for my children, that's not even a thing. They're like, well, yeah, they identify as, you know, so-and-so identifies as this. Just the word identify. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, what do you mean you identify? Know? There's males and there's females. Right. Well, no, there is, there's a continuum. Like so many other things, Yeah. there's a, a bell graph, and you fall somewhere on this graph. Mm -hmm. But for so long, it was just binomial in my world. You had males and you had females. So now we're being introduced to the idea and I work in the medical profession, so it, it's vital that we recognize people for how they identify themselves. Yeah. But you know how confusing it is to an 85-year-old to say, how do you identify? Right. I mean, I can't even imagine it has to be It's at that age, 85. I mean, I'm 45, right? And it, it, it's something that I think is a good move for us to go in this direction. Absolutely. I, I would agree. So I am completely open and willing and ready to learn Right about this, yeah. But, but I did not grow up with it. And I Matt, you no. and I are similar. Yeah, ages, I'm 49. Right? We're, yeah, we're all about the same ages. Yeah. Nobody in this room grew up with it, so we we're having to learn it. Yeah, but you know, it's funny though. You can't even put that to an to an age variant because there are plenty of 22 year olds out there who don't accept. Uh, that's this. true. I, I think I mean, that's it's, absolutely it's, true. Yeah. But it, does, I think you would find a higher proportion. I would hope so. In that generation, I would hope so. That has no problem with yeah. now. It, also, my children were raised in a home where we're pretty accepting of anybody's yeah. individual lifestyle. And, and so that, I do get the their other homes. Yeah, that's the key to it. So if good. you have acceptance yeah. in your that's life, good point. Yeah. Then, then it's, I think this is something that's you know, it's commonplace now. That's the, that's the natural evolution of society. The problem is we are. As Americans, we are the late ones to the party because, as you're saying, in Haiti yeah. and all these other places, you know, they, it's just accepted because that's what the reality is. We do a good job of hiding from reality. Amazingly, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, it's it's yeah, industry. Now, uh, now, Lowell, I've got a question that I this just popped in my head. You work in the medical field. Mm -hmm. The intersex 
birth situation? Do you know anything about that in your I've profession? been in it for 30 years, and when I started, it would have been exactly what you described. It would have just been, you know, it's easier to snip this off. It's easier to snip off. We'll than snip to, off this part. Yeah. Because a penis is just a clitoris <laughs> that, sure. you know, ha, has gotten stimulated to grow in, into a penis. Right, right. So you just snip that thing. Well, there you go. You got your girl. You got You're good your, to go. Good to go. I, I do think now, and I, I'm not involved in this end of the business at all, but mm-hmm. I, there is a lot more transparency. There's a lot of laws about the patient driving their care. So I can't imagine changing. that somebody would be able to do that uh, without telling the parent at this point. Right, right. So it's definitely changed. I would think it's definitely changed. So it needs. So we've gone from, and I'm no expert, okay, but I've read three or four books on this. That's the, the extent of my... That qualifies you as an expert in this room. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, there's a great book, uh, Galileo's Middle Finger. I think that's what it's called. It's all about this. Uh, well, a lot about this. But anyway, um, uh, so we've gone from just snipping, making a girl, right, and not telling the parents. And so nobody knows, right? So then when they do go through puberty and they and they are indeed a, a male, you know, chemically, right? Right. And their life is completely messed up, and even the parents don't know what's going on. Right. So we've gone from that to now telling the parents, and now we need to take the third step, which is stop doing it, you right. know, and just get to the point where we accept, you know. Yeah and, then, yeah. and then when a child gets to be, goes through puberty, or 18, 16, whatever, they can make their own choice. Right. You know, do whatever. Yeah, I just feel, I feel like because we've, suppress that for so long that that now is a big step societally it's a big step whereas if it would have been from the beginning and i think i think maybe the reason this is more known now is because more and more parents are in the delivery room when their kids being born it's not like the old days where the dad was sitting in the waiting room smoking cigarettes they're there i mean in some cases they're receiving the child when they're born and so that it's hard to hide that Hey, you want to take a detour? Let me tell you, I'm I'm not proud of a lot in my life. I okay. really, I'm really not. Uh, okay, I'm really this. I'm being totally honest. I'm proud of a few pieces of junk that I've found. Right. Well, good. Right. And I I saved a duck once. Other than that, this is I'm proud of this moment. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Lil. Uh, when my son was being born, right? My wife. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story. I'll ask her after we record. <laughs> Your wife's not listening. She yeah, that's listen true. That's absolutely true. She thinks you're on the road. She didn't know where you're at right now. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, my wife chose to, to no drugs, right? Pure natural birth. And okay. I know. Lola's shivering. <laughs> I, I said to her, it's your body. It's your birth. It's, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm there to play my role, you know. Okay, so uh, we're, we're, you know, we're in the delivery room, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything's nerve-wracking and, and all this, and, and we're, we're going through this. Her, our, her blood pressure starts to, to rise, mm-hmm. okay? And then it gets to the point where we're, we're how do I describe this? You worried about a clamshell? Or? We're, I'm keeping an eye on this monitor that I've mm. been told is that her that's her blood pressure. Okay. And the nurse, because I asked her about it, because the nurse kept looking at it like she was concerned. So I said, what is what are you looking at? You know, I don't know. I was being that person that was sure. like, what are you doing over there? You know? Right. So anyway, 
and she told me her blood pressure is pretty high. And so I'm just watching this thing rise around. And then it gets to the point where my wife says to me, uh, in between contractions, she says, I don't think I can do this. I, I need drugs. I, I don't think I can do this. I, I need drugs. I need And I said, okay, okay, okay. I go to the nurse. I go to the nurse, and I said, all right, uh, we're going to do an epidural. We're going to need an epidural. And she says to me, just honest, thank goodness, she was straight honest with me. She said, here's the deal. Her blood pressure is almost stroke right now. We're almost stroke level wow. right now. It's going to take 45 minutes for us to get an epidural, get it in her, and for it to have an effect. I'm worried about her blood pressure. If we can get this baby out now and get her hooked up on blood pressure medicine, we can drop it quick. But we need the baby out, and we don't need to wait 45 minutes on this epidural. So I, I don't even know where I came up with this. I don't have no idea where this came from. But I walked over to my wife, and I said, all right, here's the situation. We can wait 45 minutes for an epidural, or if you have this baby in the next 10 minutes, your mother will not be in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> she was en route she was like driving to the hospital from macon georgia uh, and i said if you get it out now your mother will not be here and she went <laughs> and three minutes later she had the baby and then amazing. we got her blood pressure but i don't even know why i thought of that i don't dislike her mom or anything i just thought you know that yeah. is awesome. It's a classic birth story. Yeah, even the uh, the nurses apparently, like the midwives and everything, they were telling other. <laughs> that was the incentive she needed. Yeah, right. that's yeah. great. Let me bring up another thing that's along these same lines. This is fascinating to me. So my wife is a Montessori school teacher, right? And I was just I think this is two years ago or something. She told me this story. There's a a kid, a boy. I guess he's five, something like that, who came to the the school who refuses to wear jeans. He wears dresses every day. Okay. And, you know, and then and it's Montessori school, so she's sort of there like, well, of course, whatever he wants is fine, you know. And <coughs> so she's telling me the story that there's like a big birthday party and all the kids are there, you know, and he's there and he's wearing like a purple dress. He has a purple dress on and they're throwing football and playing football and, and, and running around the yard, having a good time, blah, 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 right? And then my wife says to him, uh, I, love your, I love your dress today. That purple, it's perfect. And he says, it's my favorite color. I love this dress. And then she says, well, let me ask you a question. Why do you like wearing dresses? And then he just started, like, shaking his legs and, like, just really moving around. He goes, freedom, baby. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome, you know? That and is great. Yeah. So I started thinking, what's the difference between the word dress and the word kilt? Not you know? much. I mean... Yeah, I have a kilt story. Well, we we yeah. got to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And I've, uh, so I was in Seattle for the Seattle Comedy Competition, and uh, I did not do well, by the way. And uh, <laughs> uh, so one afternoon, me and some, some guys are roaming around uh, Seattle, and there's a, there's a kilt store in downtown Seattle. And I'm like, are you serious? It's a kilt store? The whole store is right. kilts. So we go in kind of mockingly, you know, like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the kilt store. Sure. And the salesperson starts talking to us, and I'm, I'm like, this just seems in, in, it seems crazy here. He goes, have you ever worn one? <laughs> I'm like, no. And he's like, well, you got to try one on. And we're like, okay. And then we try them on. Yeah. And then I'm like, that is a so long story short, I bought a kilt. Did you? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. $145 wow. I spent on a kilt. It's a good one, huh? Uh, it was, yeah. I don't mess around. You Are know, you right? getting a lot of use out of it? Uh, right. Never worn it. 
<laughs> don't even know where it is now. I think I gave, I gifted it to someone after the fact or something, but never want that was that was the thing. I was willing to buy it. It felt incredible. Yeah. I get it home and then I think I fall into what's what's considered to be normal and what's not and then therefore I never never walked out of the house with that. That brings us to another part of this discussion. It's one thing to intellectually say I don't care. I know the kilts aren't quote unquote normal, right? But it's another thing to go from I I disagree with with uh, the society putting pressure on people for being right. different than to put the damn quilt the kilt on right and go to subway. Yeah, you know, it, it yeah. that whole process changed a, a lot for me because I went from being the guy had I seen someone out in a kilt, I would have been like, what is going on with that? Right. I became the guy that bought it and then never wore it. So now when I see someone out wearing a kilt, I'm always like, good for the, good for him right. because he has taken <laughs> right. this a step further than I have and yeah. he's comfortable with that decision. I mean, yeah. I, that so for me it was a little bit of a of a evolution of my own. You know, it cost me one hundred forty five dollars. Well, but that's cheap to, yeah. for a lesson learned. Absolutely, that's and a cheap. You know, but it, this is what we're talking about is stigma one hundred one. I mean, yeah. this is right. I mean, you take ten human beings, right, Lowell? You take ten human beings, you put them in in uh, Canada, way up north in Canada, right? They have their own. You give them twenty acres, ten human beings, they are going to create a normal. Yeah. Right. Always true. I think for even the smallest group of people, there is, is that. And, and we talk about our society in particular. When we talk about what within the confines of the United States, we've always been constrained by how we were founded and by the people we were founded by. Yes. There is always underneath all of this that Protestant uh, Christian ethic. And, and if there's anything they abhor, it is something different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something, and we're seeing so much. Uh, I think we're seeing yin and yang right now. From we're still seeing reverberations from the '60s. We thought we had won the cultural war. What we're seeing and what we're witnessing right now is the mm-hmm. the Counter Reformation. This has gone on throughout history. Yeah. Why we didn't expect it, why we didn't see it coming, is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually thought recently a lot about. I want just curious how much the '60s affected us. You know. But that's a whole new... I think dramatic. I think it dramatically affected hmm. people. Because if it, nothing else, it drove the forces uh, of this kind of rigidity underground. Yes. This whole... And I think it, it, it's a problem for those of us who, self, who identify as progressive. One of the problems we've had is trying to find a utopian society to try to dictate a utopian society onto people rather than empowering people to be whoever they are right we have a vision if we if we make the society this way everybody will have this opportunity rather than just saying hey whatever you believe is okay right and it's all right Right. as long as you don't manifest in a way that affects somebody else negatively yes yeah yeah that that's a great great way to say that i mean yeah so, you know, you want to put on your kilt and go to Subway, put on your kilt and go to Subway. Right. That's not a problem at all. Whatever you want. Fine. Cross your legs, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that sausage. And then someone Subway. starts making fun of you for wearing your kilt. Now, that's, I got a problem with that. Right. Right. You start uh, enforcing a kilt law. <laughs> I got a problem with that. 
Yeah. You know, it's such a delicate balance. Matt, you could have been a trendsetter in Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, that's true. You, well, uh, you, you could have been the man that started the kilt there's craze. A, there's a man that walks around here that wears a like a, a high Abraham Lincoln top hat, too. That's awesome. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like... He, I want to meet that man. Oh, you'll, <laughs> we'll you'll go find meet him this week. I'm sure you'll that's see fantastic. him. That's fantastic. We'll go find him. Yeah, yeah. He's Cody's like, coming this week. Well, there's... Cody and that guy might fight for turf. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's the best dressed man I've ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah. Every I, time I see Cody... I'm like, I wish I was him. I just yeah. do. I just, and Cody d- does not follow. I mean, he, he dresses nice, but he does. He does his own thing. He does his own thing. Yeah. You know, Cody dresses in a way, and you haven't met Cody yet, Lowell. So right. I, I'm kind of having to tell you a little bit, but Cody dresses in a way that, is it stylish? Yes. Is it, he's not walking around with a top hat and a kilt. But he he adds something to what he does that makes him stand out. Yeah, in well, every place he goes. Well, to. Plus, I believe Cody's business card, which take that for what it is, I believe it says "eccentric gentleman." Is that's the title. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that no, beautiful eccentric yeah. gentleman. Cody's one of my favorite people. I will tell you a story on myself because I, I, from all outward appearances, if you saw me on the street, you're presuming I'm a Trump voter. Okay, I'm yeah. white. I'm obese. I'm old. I've got a receding hairline. I work in, in, in a major corporation, have so, done so most of my life. At a corporate uh, meeting, I was supposed to give a presentation. There was just this god-awful bit of education that was pushed out to the entire team. The name of the video was called Negaholics, oh. which oh. unbelievable <laughs> Filmed sometime oh. in the 1980s. Right. So half of the things that they presented in the in the video were, you know, had been proven wrong scientifically <laughs> since it had been done. So my right. boss pushed this out just because she liked the title. So I, as soon as I turned it on and watched about five minutes of it, I called her. Now, let me get this right. You looked at this title. You assigned it to everybody. You never watched a minute of it. And I started hearing this laughter on the other end of the thing. And she goes, well, just for that, you're the one who has to present it at the next meeting. I said, all right, I'll present it. But you don't get to dictate the format because I don't care what kind of format, just present on it. So at the next meeting, I co-opted one of my friends to bring a pair of bongos and some black sunglasses. <laughs> I had on a black leotard. Now, I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. A black leotard underneath my, my suit. I went up to the podium. You have your suit on, right? Yeah, I have my suit on. Right. I start to disrobe at the podium in front of this group of people. Before this starts, the director walks in. And so the guy that's got the bongos for me is going, are you going to bail, dude? And I'm going, I got nothing else. We're going with this. So the presentation was called Negaholic Man with Mullet. So I start taking off his clothes. Underneath, I've got a black <laughs> leotard on. Full body leotard. Yeah, black le- My poor wife is the one who bought it on Amazon. Uh-huh. So she's still getting things from Amazon saying extra, extra, extra large <laughs> black leotards awesome. on sale this week. And I had a mullet wig stashed in the podium. Oh, my God. So once I stripped down, wig. everybody's wondering why I'm stripping. They're figuring I'm going crazy. Right. You know, he right. finally they're snapped. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is Lowell's last he day. finally <laughs> <Right>. snapped. <laughs> yeah. So... I, I get all my clothes off. I'm down to this black leotard. I had my black socks because, you know, I'm white male, and that's what you wear. That's your uniform to work. Right. And I pull out this mullet wig and put it on, and then I do some Dada poetry <laughs> to this negaholic so man with mullet. And then I ended with an interpretive dance. Oh. <laughs> so I've become legend in this corporation of 30,000 people. P- 
people don't know what the fuck to expect when I walk into a meeting now. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, are, is he going to do it? Is he going to dance? Every once in a while, I'll just have the mullet wig in my pocket. Oh. And at the at the back of a really boring meeting, I'll just pull it out and hold oh, it up. that's so great. That's great. So uh, I'm a bit of a lunatic. Oh, right. I, love, I love everything about that's that story. Fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. Exactly the, the videos yeah. that, that came out from that. When you do interpretive dance, you see one thing in your mind. <laughs> All it looked like was a fat guy rolling around on the floor. And I've got hair in places I didn't know I had hair. And it was sprouting. <laughs> oh, my God. That is sprout. so great. That is so great. When I, when I spent so many years in corporate America, and I did not fit in. And I would have loved to have had the nerve to do what you did. I just... I just didn't do a good job. That's how I showed them. <laughs> well, yeah. Took a lot of supplies home. Uh, I'm fascinated by this idea that my Econo Lodge friend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Grew. I talked to him. You know, he was born in India, right? Came over here when he was 20. Okay, moved to the U.S. when he was 20. So, and I have not gotten to the point in our friendship yet where I can just. You know, are you a really good typist with that? Yeah. Right, we're just boom. T- you know, how fast can you hitchhike? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> you can really hail a cab. Like, there's a lot of things. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I have, you know, talked to him. You know, like, you know, he came over here when he was 20, and you know, and then I said, how was that accepted? And you know, how was your, your thumb situation? He said, oh no, my friend, no. You know, <laughs> just so there was a. Huge difference. You imagine at twenty going from uh, one set of normal, yeah, and then you're picked up and plopped down into another set of normal, and you're having to. I mean, you were talking about eighty five, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or four. You know, we're forty five to fifty year old men in this yeah, room, yeah. white mm-hmm. male in this room, right? And we're trying. Not to a lot look, of diversity here. We're no. not a lot of diversity <laughs> in this episode right now, right? And um, we're trying to adjust to one idea of sexually identifying yourself right how do you identify right he had to pick up his own personal life and move it to another set of norms and plop it down not in san francisco not in boston yeah but midwest in kentucky oh yeah in a small town (laughs) in kentucky well and also think about this about this part of his journey he the fact that where he came from he was probably already established into a relationship a marriage that was probably assigned, or or however that's I don't I don't know culturally how that's done in his in his world, but imagine if he's that guy that comes to, comes here and he doesn't have that already defined. Now he's d- dating and trying to find a mate mm-hmm. with this extra digit. Now his problems have compounded drastically because that's so not accepted. Now he's trying to. Now he's looking for acceptance right. in another way. Yeah. So now you have to think. That's a good point, Matt. So now you have to think. Do I want? Am I going to put the kilt on and just say, "Hey, take me for what I am. Right. This is who I am." In other words, is he just going to, "Hey, I, I have an extra thumb, and those who accept it accept it; those who don't, don't." Or is he going to hide it? Like right. that. Obviously, that's the choice he's made. Or is he going to go in for the operation? Well, you the know? other alternative, and, and I know this, there's a there's a great indie film called Meet the Patels. Okay. So it goes oh. right to what Matt was talking about. That's how I knew that a Patel was more than likely the last name. Right. Patels come here. They own hotels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've all done this, uh, decided to do this. There is a book of Patels. 
they marry other Patels. It's a region in India that they all come from. Huh. Now, they're not necessarily related because they have the last name, but they are to marry other Patels. So their parents... That's, a, that's one of their cultural norms. It's one of their cultural norms. Huh. The parents will arrange these meetings. The sons are given a, a, a headshot of the female. They say, yay or nay, I'll meet this, this female. Huh. They go out to have coffee or, or whatever and, and decide whether this is something they're willing to go forward with. So... He may not have had to have contended right. with changing culture. He brought his culture with him. Yep. Instead huh. of amalgamating this one, yeah, bring his culture with him. Right, right. You know what it reminds and I, I, I don't know when or where I read this story, and I swear I was probably in my 20s when I read it, but it has not left my head. It's fascinating to me, and I hope I didn't just make it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> But there was, a, a, I don't remember what year it was, but a, a circus parade from the United States. It wasn't Barnum Bailey, but it was one of the big ones okay. in 1900 or whatever year this was, right? Was invited to go to Russia and do their, you know, down the, and the, so they had this big thing down. It was so odd to Russian culture. It, all the, you know, the, the U.S. about it, was, it didn't fit into Russia, that people ignored it. There's a damn circus parade in r going down the middle of a, of a major road, and people are pretending like it's not happening. Because anything that odd, the majority of the people will just ignore it. They'll just pretend like it doesn't exist. Wow. I'll give you, hey, I'll give you a great example. Um, um, this is really getting into me being a weirdo. <laughs> I like it. All right. This is I've already established my credentials, so you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's this is Lowell put on a, a full body tutu with a mullet wig. Yeah, and here's my mullet wig, full body tutu story. Okay, <laughs> I had just dropped out of college, so I was twenty. I don't know. Is that I'm bad with ages. Twenty, twenty one. Well, depends on when you dropped out. Yeah, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, something like that. Uh, my best friend was David. I'm not going to give a last name. And we were sitting at 3 in the morning, just sitting in the parking lot of a Blockbuster video. They were still open at the time. They were still okay. existed at the time. For the kids listening, that was a, a movie <laughs> yeah. where, you, where you rent movies. Right. And we like to have deep philosophical conversations, Dave and I did. And we would get into weird areas. I don't know who brought this up. I have no idea. But uh, one of us said, I wonder how long it would take to give away this blockbuster video rental store. If you had the deed in your hand, the deed to the property, mm. and you stood in front of it, and as people were walking in, you said to them, do you want this store for free? And tried to give them the deed. How long would it take until someone actually took it, you know? So we were discussing that. If you, if you do something so odd, you know, people are going to reject you. They're going to, they don't, they don't want you. They they just ignore. You right. Know? So we went from that idea to well, we don't own a blockbuster, but we got a lot of crap in our apartment. <laughs> so this is I, I was hoping this was where this was yeah, going. I have photographic evidence of this that I don't. I didn't bring with me, but I can bring it next time. We set up a folding table in front of the mall at the main entrance of the mall, and had it full of crap. 
and some of it was good. We had a brand new blender in the box that I think someone had given us as a present or something, and we didn't <laughs> we didn't need a blender, right. you know. And w some of it was just odd, weird stuff that we thought no one would even be able to figure out what it was. And we had it stacked on this table and on the sides of us and everything. We had a big Darth Vader movie promotion cardboard stand-up thing. And as people were walking into the mall, we would say, we had a big sign that said, free stuff. And we would say, do you want any of this stuff? It's free. 99% of the people did not make eye contact with you. They certainly didn't answer you. They walked straight past you and walked straight into the mall. A smaller percentage of the people would get out of their car, come towards us, see that something was going on, walk back to their car, drive to another entrance. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The only people that cared at all, and we were there until the security told us yeah. to leave. We, we were there for three or four hours because it took him time to get the guts to come up and ask us what we we're doing. He spied on us. I have a picture of his head sticking over a Corolla. <laughs> um, the only people that gave a damn at all were young kids. They were so into it. And old men. Huh. Old men. That's would, surprising. Would stop and say, what are you doing? Oh, that makes sense. And we would go, this is free. So This is free? You could, I can have any of it? I, that's the pictures I have? Or yeah. of old men walking away from us with their arms so they full. Did, so the old men did take things. Oh, they took things. They took stuff that we, they couldn't even figure out how to use. Um, they took stuff just because it was free. Yeah. You know? Well, there's something about that as you become an older male. You're no longer looking for your bona fides. You've got your bona fides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this false point. pride that you have when you're young and you want to be seen as silly anywhere in public, mm -hmm. I don't care about that anymore. My wife loves me anyway. It's bizarre. I don't understand it. <laughs> but, but she does. So I, at this point, I'm pretty much free to be me and say what I want and do oh, the things right. I want, dance in a leotard if I want to. Right. I think that's the goal, right? Is yeah. It, I mean, it's emancipating. I'll tell to you that. to get to yeah. this point. It's fine because I'm not there. I mean, I certainly live my my life with a certain amount of like restraint. Like I don't. I'm not a goofy person. I can't let loose and do, like I would never right. sing. I know I can't. Mm -hmm. And I would never do it. That shouldn't Even, stop you. I, and exactly. And I agree with you, but I can't. That That's that's a chasm I can't jump. I just can't. I've well, tried. Let me I tell you, for it. any listeners out there, I'm going to throw this out there in the world because I would love it if this was done. Okay. My friend David and I, we did these little experiments. Okay. For years, we would come up with bizarre things to do just in our society. Right. And just, just to see how people reacted to them. You know, another one we did was... Uh, Basically, why, why in the world do you have one day a year that you wear silly costumes and get candy? Why not July? <laughs> why, you know, why not dress up for Halloween in, you know, July and go to Crystal? You know, <laughs> that White Castle for people in the yeah. north. Um, we did that. We dressed up as. Well, at least now you're not wearing a jacket over your Superman costume. Right, October's yeah. terrible for Halloween. Um, How many costumes were ruined because of the fall? So here's the one we came up with that we never did. Okay, okay. and if anybody's out there listening, I, I want you, I want someone to do this. All right, David at the time drove a uh, Bronco, a full size Bronco. Okay, I had a tiny little car. It was like a I'd bought it for five hundred bucks. It was a white seventy. I think it was a 1976 Toyota Corolla or something. It was very, very tiny. The little vehicle. tiny square box. Tiny square box. Yeah, I know what you're talking I about. I love that. Yeah, car. those are great. I yeah. loved it. All right, so our plan was this. We we're going to take a PVC pipe, 
pretty long one, right? Cover both ends of it with cotton balls, glue cotton balls on both ends of a PVC pipe. All right. Strap that to the top of the Corolla okay. with bungee cords. Now, on the back of the Bronco, you remove the spare tire that hangs there. So now you have that gate. We were going to make a five or six foot tall paper mache ear. <laughs> Hang that on the back of the Bronco. Uh, yeah. And he would be on one side of town. We lived in a small town. <laughs> and I'd be on the other. <laughs> so we would both drive around oh. for, you know, an hour, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And look, and never cross a lot. We had a line we were not going to cross, like uh, where Wendy's was or something. You stay on your side, I'll stay on my side. And we both look, windows down, we both look nervous and frantically trying to search for something. <laughs> we're, we're weaving in and out of traffic. We're constantly looking in our rear view. We're panicking. And then it's at a certain set time, we pass each other. And then the Q-tip floors it, does a U-turn in traffic, and begins to chase the ear <laughs> through town. Right? If somebody out there, we actually tried at one point to build the paper mache ear. It's yeah. very difficult. Sure. Uh, you know, but if you're out there and you have a little extra money and some interest, please. Would you do this and video it for me and send it to me? My yeah, life that'd would be, be a little more. Please put that complete. on the. Uh, you know, Donna's going to listen to this, right? And she's an audiologist. <laughs> she probably has access to a six foot ear someday. <laughs> wow. That's I, my guess. Please, I will trade some of my junk for a six foot ear. That would be fantastic. That's uh, I like everything about that. I'm glad I, I, I'm glad you you went audiology instead of proctology. That could have been a <laughs> yeah, totally different. different, well, different yeah, right. you need a Ford probe for that. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. There well it is. Played, sir. Oh. oh man. Which brings us to this. Now here's another one. I just did this. I just did this last week. I did a nudist camp. Uh, oh. I did the comedy show at the nudist camp. Yeah. Not yeah. not nude though. I was not nude. Uh, I contemplated it. Did you really? I did. For I how thought long? about it when I was driving up there. Should I should I be nude? Should I not? I when don't know. in Rome. You know? When in Rome, yeah. And I'll tell you what held me back. I'll tell you what held me back. Um, the kilt. The that's what I'm using as an analogy, yeah. right? I am dead honest. The the idea of being naked in public is odd to me. It's yeah. a weird thing to contemplate. It's strange. I'm not against it, yeah, but I don't want my first time to have to do a show. <laughs> right, that, that, that's fair. I mean, you're, you know? that's not putting your toe in the water. That's jumping. <laughs> yes, in. yeah. So, so I speak. thought to myself, well, I don't, I don't think I'm against this idea of being nude in public. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I will do that, but I don't want to, you know, if I was, if I was camping out at this nudist colony. And I was there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and our show was Saturday. Maybe I could work up to that. Right. You so, know? what was the experience just being around? Well, the I'll colony? tell you. I'll tell you what the bizarre. This is this is the bizarre experience to me. I pulled up. There's like a gate. It's a trailer uh, kind of community. And for, uh, by the way, before I start telling the story, I'm, I'm talking with the owner. Uh, the history of this place is. Uh, in the 60s, nudist camps kind of exploded. They, they became very popular. And then in the 70s, 80s, most of them turned into sexually oriented type places. They were swingers clubs. Oh, okay. There's some sort of, you know, where you're like going exhibitions there. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. You're, it's, you know, in the 60s, they were naturalist kind of family community kind of na get back to nature 
70s, 80s, turned to, to where it had something to do with sex. This nudist camp that I did my show at never went to the sex direction. They are, are one of the few family nudist camps still operating in, mm. in the U.S. So there were lots of kids there. There were teenagers. There's, you know, so you, I pulled up. and There's a big gate you have to go through. You have to have a code, you know, because it's this isn't normal in our in our society. So we're going to lock it away and put sure. it in the woods, you know. Um, so you had to put in a code and then go through the gate. And then everything just seemed absolutely like, oh, this is kind of a nice looking trailer park. They've, they've got like the basketball court and a tennis court and a pool. Oh, there's a naked man. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately first yeah. one. Oh, that guy's naked. You know, <laughs> it's like, and I'm 20 minutes in. Uh, I failed to notice it. Okay. It did not. It probably didn't even take 20 minutes. Right. It was that shocking to me. It was. It happened that quick. So, any any intersex people at the nudist camp that you were aware of? I don't. I to be honest, I didn't. I didn't even notice. Yeah. I just. I. At some point, like I checked in, I went, and there's like a porch area where they, the guy that booked me and everything, mm -hmm. we're hanging out there, and there's probably don't say hanging out. <laughs> there's six or seven of us, maybe eight on this porch. Two or three of us had clothes on. Okay. The rest didn't. It's very hot out, very nice day, sunny. Good day to be naked. Good day to be. Great day to be naked. Yeah. Are you kidding? Great day to be naked. Not time for me to be naked. Right. <laughs> Too <laughs> nervous. Yeah. I got to do a show tonight. Are you but, kidding? I'm not getting naked. So do you, okay, do you but think. But right that, when I walked up on that porch, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, Matt, you're fine. but this is the point. When I walked up on that porch, my in my brain, I thought, they're naked, they're naked, they're naked. I sat down. They offered me a drink. I said, I don't I don't really drink. And they said, how about a soda? I said, I have a Sprite. You got a Sprite? They brought me a Sprite. Hey, thank you so much for doing the show. No problem. You know, 10 minutes later, I wasn't going. They're naked. They're naked. Right. I, it was gone. It was like, that's how quickly it all changed in my mind. Okay, so you, let's use that scenario. You pulling onto the property. You see the first naked man. And then it's a matter of several minutes before you don't even notice that anymore. Is it safe to say that as a society, once we come to just see the first thing that's not normal, if we stop looking at it as being not normal, how long in, into that drive does it become just nothing? That's the thing. It's We just have to be willing to shut that off and take the judgment out of it. You you shut off the judgment. You, you had that first moment where I was like, okay, this is different than what I'm used to. But then you stop thinking about it, and then it became just well, this is where I'm at. That's what we have to find a way to do. And yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know how to do that. I mean, well, I, 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 mean it, I try to do it myself, but how do we get everyone to do that? Well, because I, I think we are firmly, uh, while we're divided into two camps, a lot of that is based on people who need the rigidity of a black and white world that has answers. And if they suddenly are confronted with something that doesn't have an answer within right. the paradigm they've already constructed, that's very difficult to pull sure. those people and say, you need to be open to it. I don't have to be open to anything. I already know what's right and right, wrong. Right. A naked man walking around is wrong, right. even though that's natural. What's unnatural yes. is to invent clothes. I mean, we have a body that nature designed us yeah. to walk around in, and yet we confine our feet with shoes and mm -hmm. 
put clothes over our bodies. Yeah, That's I the agree. unnatural I, thing. I totally agree, Lowell. I mean, I... I'm disrobing now. <laughs> it's got to leave. Lowell is. We haven't got video installed in here yet, have <laughs> no, we? No, not yet, but... Um, here's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to this, but, you know, black and white world, a naked man, but that is taught. That's taught behavior. Yeah, absolutely. That is society taught and parental taught. It, but it's lazy behavior too. It's la- true because yeah, I'll accept this dogma that you've told me because then I don't have to think of one. I don't have to build my own cosmology if you've already built it for me. Right. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't have to be curious, and I don't. I don't have to be oh. frustrated. Curiosity. There's so much curiosity. Uh, there's so much frustration involved in curious thought. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of doubt. It's you know. When you ultimately figure out that you really are getting no answers to anything. Right. When you come to that point where the more you know, the more you know you can't know anything for certain. Yes. Yes. It, it, when you're comfortable with that, it's uh, fine. Yeah. Getting to that point, and there's only going to be a segment of the population that can do that. I mean, sometimes yeah. the answer is is the thing, is the question. It's like, why is this person naked? Because they want to be naked. That's why. That's the answer. Yeah. The answer is what you're questioning. As long as you, once we learn that we just accept things for what they are and not look for a purpose necessarily or a reason why, not everything has to have a reason. Let me throw so, this in there. That's a very good point, Matt. Let me throw this in there. I asked the guy, I don't know why I asked this, but I was talking to the guy that, that runs the nudist camp, mm-hmm. right? And I said to him, uh, he, oh, he had told me that his grandparents ran this place, and then his parents did, and now he does. So I, I said to him, why did they start it? And then he, so he tells me the story. It, his grandparents did not start it. An, another guy started it, and it's in the middle of Indiana, mm. okay? This isn't a nudist camp that's in Burlington, Vermont, where half the population is already perfectly fine if you want to get naked anyway. You know what I mean? I love Burlington. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in the woods in Indiana, so okay. this isn't the most open-minded situation in the world. A man, I don't know the year, but this is before the current owner's great-grandparents. So we're talking a while back. This is four, five mm. generations back we're talking, right? Uh, he, w- he had cancer, and he was told by a doctor uh, that they've, they've encountered some studies where outdoors, nature, you know, fresh air, New Mexico, Arizona, some, sure. some hot springs connect with it seems to help. You know, blah, blah. Natural vitamin D. Yes. All sunlight, that seems yeah. natural sunlight. All, spend a lot of time outdoors, a lot of time. Well, they so then they bought this land in, in Indiana and, and did just that. They got a little trailer and they would spend the majority of their time outdoors, the majority of the time naked, because how else are you going to connect better than that? You want to get sunlight into your life? You want to get, like Lowell said, vitamin D? Take all your clothes off and, and relax in the sun. You know, that's how to absorb the most. So that's what he did. And then this guy's grandparents bought it from him and then turned it into a family nudist camp. And it was a family. I mean, that's the way I felt about it. Mm. There were father and son were swimming in the pool uh, in the uh, in the yeah in the pool when I, I went up to this the one area to use the bathroom in their little communal outdoor thing you know they have a restroom in there so i went up there there's some families playing in the pool and then they just it's just everybody's naked that's the only difference you know so 
you know, this world's got to be black and white and blah, 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 and this is the way it is and this is the way it isn't and la, da, da. What if being naked helped eels? What if it helped no. cure? What if, we, what if we were willing to let go for a second and go, well, ba- let me back up, okay? Marijuana, we now gotten a, a lot of people convinced right. might help with some medical issues. Absolutely. What if being naked all the time helped with medical issues? Then how quickly could we turn a population from those are disgusting Satanists to let's go spend some naked time this weekend? Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> the know? jump that people make to that. Because I know you say that jokingly or partly jokingly, but there are a lot of people that think that, oh, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're naked all the time, so they have to be up to something. They're yeah. Satanists. They're different than right. us. They, it's a cult or they, whatever. Oh, it's, a, it's an orgy cult. Yeah, it's amazing well, and how that, it goes there so quickly. Well, and that's the problem Protestant with upbringing. a culture, yeah. absolutely, that thinks all nudity is sexuality. Yeah. It's all sin. Those are two separate things. And, yeah. and we told this story the other night. We were talking about this situation. You go to a beach in Europe, people will walk out there fully clothed, stripped down, completely naked, and then put on their bathing suit. Yeah. And they think nothing of it because nobody on that beach is looking at them going, mm, Right. This is a sexual moment, except the American tourists. That right, exactly. But the other Italians are looking at them going, yeah, mm, Nice bathing suit. Yeah, nice whatever. bathing suit. Yeah. You're nude, right. but you're not doing anything overtly sexual, so this isn't a sexual moment. Well, and it also All nudity in America is sexual. Right. It, all of it is sexual. Yes, all of it's sexual. Look, I, when you talk about that, I think how freeing would it be, how wonderful would it be to walk around naked. Neither of my children have ever seen me naked. Right. Because that's the norm I grew up with, and I never thought to alter that. Right, right. Uh-huh. My, my Sounds like that changes this week. Sounds like you, like, as soon as you get home, <laughs> boy, that might be very disturbing at my children's <laughs> age seen, now. Have, have they is, seen the video? That, they're, they're, <laughs> how strange it is it that they've seen him in a black leotard with a mullet wig? Right. I, I threaten them at home. I still have the black leotard. So if, so, if something we, goes wrong, it's coming right. out. If we backed up, like if we could somehow remove all of our upbringing and all of it, and and then just looked at. Which way would you rather see your father? Naked or in a black leotard with a mullet wig? <laughs> you got to go, go naked. You got to go naked. You go naked, I mean, yeah. Because I don't know what he's up Every to time. over here. Right, right. You know? Well, I know what I'm doing next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take the take the suit off and you're just naked. Think, well, <laughs> think about what it would do if, if, if it was accepted in society. People were just naked. All of a sudden, all of the things that people worry about, all the body image, Everything goes away. It essentially goes away. Yeah, because it's just—it's not—it's uh, not a thin body, a fat body. It's not a fit. It, it's just a body. It becomes just a vessel yeah. for who we are. Mm-hmm. And then all, all of a sudden, self-esteem changes. Everything. Everything would. I mean, would probably be better. It. I mean, talk about inclusion. That would come as a result of it. Well, yeah. and, and they actually use that as a. As training in the military, one of the things, at least back 100 years ago when I was in, Mm -hmm. one of the dehumanizing aspects, one of the things to make you not an individual, it was a group shower. You got got in a line, Mm -hmm. naked, all of you. Mm -hmm. You walked through one shower to get wet. 
the next one you soap up, and the third one you you rinse really? off, and you do this <laughs> yeah. in a line. Like you a do it in an orderly wash. fashion, it's a car wash. and it's yeah. a bunch of naked dudes, and you're suddenly stripped of any individual identity because you're just a bunch of naked dudes at that point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. huh? That's interesting. I didn't know about that. But there's a. They did it on purpose. On purpose. Yeah. yeah this was part of the training regimen. It wasn't done. Nothing was done without forethought. Right, but what I'm saying is this wasn't done for economic sense. No. This is psychologically to, to tear your individual, individuality. So you'll be a part, you're, you realize at that point you're just part of this greater whole. Yes. You're not an individual anymore. Yeah, part of the machine. Yes. Wow. Well, it was, yeah, I, it, by the way, if you're a comedian and you're listening to this, don't turn down a gig at a nudist camp. They, they were great audience. I, I've been offered a couple, and I couldn't do them, but I definitely wanted to This do is them. my second one. I did yeah. one in Michigan, and I did, I've done one in Indiana, and they were both great. I mean, my theory is um, anybody that is, you know, has said, yes, I, I would like to take my clothes off, and I would like to see how that feels, and then they do it once, and then they end up a couple times, and then they join a community right. of nudists. This person, no, they, they hold political beliefs, they hold religious beliefs, but they're not holding on to anything so tight that they're going to be mad at you yeah. for saying something on stage. They're not that tight about life in general that they cannot realize that I'm entitled to my opinion and that was a good punchline. Hmm. I don't care if you're Catholic. That was funny. You well, they're yeah. open-minded enough to let you perform with your clothes on. Right. True. Oh yeah. I mean, at one point, I took my like I took my shirt off to do a bit, and they and they were like, you know, I said, let me disrobe, and I took <laughs> and I took my shirt off, and, and that's all I did. I did it to to make a joke sure. to them, and then that's all I took off. And they were like, boo. So, You're teased now. Yeah, I'm a yeah. tease, yeah. I still so, think the only thing you should have left on was the shirt. <laughs> oh, a porky pig the whole thing? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> porky pig the yeah. whole thing. So, uh, see, I would not. The only thing to hold me back from doing a nudist show is that I know I wouldn't sell very many T-shirts. So I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> And you know that's the big part. It's merch. Am I going to allow this type of humor on my podcast? You gotta get merch out there. Am I going to allow uh, this? I and then they probably don't have a gift shop selling T-shirts either. Like you can't have a T-shirt that says "such and such nudist colony." Although that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, oh, that, and so you probably oh, you're texting now. You're getting this shit yeah. done right now. Yeah, I'm going to make this happen. Right I now, have to make some money. That'll be on the streets in ten minutes. In ten minutes. That would be nudist camp. Matt shirt. Holt's nudist camp. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I um, I'm fascinated by this. I guess this is something. I mean, like we said, this is stigma 101. We're not we're not breaking. Right. I mean, this is something. If you if you're a thinker at all, you've already crossed this bridge. You know what I mean? But it's still something that constantly fascinates me. The idea that normal is made up, and then held onto so tightly that it. In many times, it will take a war to change. Uh, you know, I mean, you brought up the idea of marijuana. You know, it was 80 years minimum mm -hmm. in Texas in 1960. Yeah. For 80 years in prison for a joint of marijuana to now, a lot of people, me included, I don't smoke marijuana at all, but right. I, I definitely think there are medical benefits to it, and I think they should be explored. You know, yeah, and we should learn from that. You know, and and I'm 
Many, 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 many thousands of people agree with that now. And and almost everybody, except for Jeff Sessions, thinks that 80 <laughs> years is yeah. ridiculous. Well, it's, we're in a situation in this country where, again, because we're so, I, I, I would say, puritanical. Mm-hmm. Yes. If, if they would just lift the restrictions on marijuana being legal, all of a sudden, the tax money that you're making sure. would help to eradicate the debt that we have, it would make things... I mean, look at Colorado. Colorado is booming as a result of that. Violent crime is down. Their economy is in great condition. Unemployment is, is not high. If every state would adopt that, think of how much better we would be economically. I agree with you, Matt, but I would like to... I'd also like to say this. I think that's a good point, but I want it to be that we, as humans... Just accept the fact that we don't know everything. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I don't want there to have to be a, a economic or political benefit for us to do something. As humans, we should realize. Oh, I agree with you 100% that about that. We do not know, you know, what marijuana is. We, we study it, learn. Sure. You know, we should be open-minded enough to at least allow ourselves to benefit from something. I, you know, well, how unusual is the sentence? You cannot smoke marijuana in America where you're free. That that is unusual to me. I had this discussion with a former head of uh, the FBI in our region. Huh. Happened to know him. Met him. Met him through work. Really interesting cat. But a lot of those guys are very monolithic in their thought. Very black and white. Yeah. So I said, look, Harry, here's the deal. You want you want to settle terrorism? You want to fix terrorism? Legalize drugs. Because what what's driving the the terrorists, their money is coming from the poppy fields in Afghanistan. Yeah. And we're the ones consuming that. So you do that. The Afghanistan war's over if you legalize drugs in America. You get rid of the you, you start taxing it. Nobody's dying of an overdose because they know what they're getting now because they're buying it from a package store. Like when you buy sure. a bottle of whiskey, you know what's in it. So we're not having the overdoses that are flooding our, our yards. And we're having the freedom that we say we have. You have a freedom to adjust whatever you want, whatever it does to you. And we would have be able to tax it and have the money to help people who overindulge or are incapable of helping themselves. Those people are going to exist whether the stuff is illegal or illegal. Absolutely. Jailing them helps nothing. All he could do was stammer. And I, and I started with marijuana. I said, well, what, what about just making marijuana? Gateway drug. <laughs> War on drug. Gateway drug. Like, gateway drug? There's no evidence whatsoever that marijuana is a gateway drug. Gateway drug. And he just stammered a little bit, and that ended the conversation. So there was no give to him at all? None whatsoever, because he'd spent his entire career. Yeah. Now, there's somebody, and while you may not want it to be the case, somebody's profiting from marijuana being illegal. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, why it's illegal. Absolutely. Right. That's why it's illegal. What was it uh, in the... What was that big, huge, you know this, Lowell, that big uh, controversial, it was hor- horrible. And they ju- they suppressed most of it, but with the body bags that were coming back from Vietnam that yeah. were full of uh, heroin. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just. Or, or how, the, how they, uh, this is the Los Angeles Times had those large series of articles that the government finally got them to stop publishing, mm-hmm. talking about how they were generating money for the Sandinistas. Right. They were importing cocaine, selling cocaine in the streets of Los Angeles, using the money to buy weapons. Oh. And this is all in, you know, the Diane Rand Contra 
Yeah. Trial transcripts. Right. This is when a conspiracy theory. Ollie North, Ollie North went down and then was allowed back up because that guy's a, a hell of a criminal. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, so this is all on record. This happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a profitable substance. Yeah. There's no way the government's not going to be getting their cut from this. Right. You know? right. But anyway, let's get back to this this thing. Uh, I like the idea of having the do not disturb signs from the O'Connell Lodge with my friend with three thumbs. Because mm-hmm. do not disturb is the whole, that's the whole thing. That Very artsy, is it not? <laughs> that's what we should call this episode, do not disturb. You set up a group of people and you say to them, uh, if you you know if you're born with eleven fingers, then you are God. Yeah, you could be the king, or you could be shunned. Either way, right? It's arbitrary. Sure, it doesn't exist. You 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 know, either way is a pick. It's a roll of the dice. Are we going to wear kilts or are we not? Yes or no. You you know, or you could say sometimes we are on certain days. March eleventh, right. we're all going to wear a kilt. It's all crap. It's all made up human For sure. ideas. But once you do it, once a group of people decide these are the rules and these are the holidays and this is who we're going to arrest, then you are going to literally have to go to war to change them. For sure. Because I think people, deep down, people are scared to death. They're scared of life. They need these rules. They need black and white. Your FBI friend, he needs to know exactly how the world works because otherwise it's a scary damn place. I agree with all that. And, and, and the thing, I vacillate on this too because there is some need to get, if you're going to get some things done, you have to have some people that eventually are going to come down on one side or the other. Because yeah. I might sit and just vacillate on an idea forever and ruminate on it and never come to a decision and make action. Mm-hmm. So people like this friend, they're the guys out busting John Gotti and taking down organized crime and doing those sorts of things. Well, that requires a certain measure of, of being able to say there's good guys and there's bad guys. Yes. You can't look at John Gotti and say, well, he's a family guy and he's pretty good to his kids. And You can't do that. <laughs> sure, yeah. And at right. the same time be wiring people up and knowing you're taking him down and destroying right. his life and his family's life. And right. You have to be a black and white thinker at that you point. You have to be a black and white thinker. And you also have to have just enough gray area reserved for your own family and your own friends to not arrest them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. you're, the, you're the head of the FBI. If you're doing your job correctly, you're going to close your business yeah. because you're going to have to arrest a lot of people within the yeah. FBI. Yeah, that's right? true. I have I mean, friends who are police factual. officers. That's factual. Yeah. That's not, that's not a left-wing conspiracy theory. That's factual. Ollie North would have been in prison a long time before he was. Are you kidding? Right? He certainly I mean, should, should still be there, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, so somebody who wore a uniform, I, I think he's a disgrace to, to the uniform. Right. So you, you have to have a black and white thinker, and you also have to have a person who who's, has the ability to say, well, I have a certain black and white rules when it comes to wealthy white people and mm. a certain black and white rules when it comes to poor black people. You've got to be able to bullshit yourself and be a hypocrite. Yeah. But we're getting off the, the subject. I like the do not disturb because that's – you know, that's what we're talking about here. You, we create a fake society or a real one, whatever you want to call it. But the rules are arbitrary. They don't really exist because they're bendable. So we know they don't exist because they're changeable and they're bendable. That means they're not real. Right. right. 
And then if you want to disturb it once you've made up the rules, then that's when you have civil wars. That's when you have massive upheavals. Uh, you know, the 60s, which you brought up earlier, was just that. Yeah. They, they threw cannonballs at a steel wall of rules, and they caused some dents. And they probably, because of the 60s, love them or hate them, they probably led to us going from 80 years in prison for one joint in Texas to maybe this could have some medical benefits for the for Alzheimer's patients. And, you know, because there was a, a, a period of time in this country where some people challenged a lot of things, you know, and made some people think. Maybe it led us to, to you know, my friend at the Connell Lodge, you know, I don't know. No, when, I agree. When did do not disturb become a thing? Because it hadn't always been a thing. You used to ride your horse, and it, as it got dark, you start to stop at the nearest house, and they put you up. And I'm sure you didn't put a do not disturb sign on, on whatever guest. Oh, you mean literally you the do literally, not disturb? Literally, when did do not disturb become a thing? <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. Well, you know, it's also That's fascinating. there's been a change in the last, I don't know, 10 years in hotels where... It used to be you had a thing you hung on your door. One said do not disturb. The other said maid service. Yes, and now they all say do not disturb. Yeah, there's no maid service. I mean, there's nothing that requests it. So the absence of do not disturb means you're getting maid service, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I remember they had both of those because when I was a younger person, I would uh, often go through a hotel hallway and flip those over. And <laughs> Really? Of course. <laughs> what? Of course I did that. Yes. How dare you? I stole two Do Not Disturb signs from my buddy. I was doing. I was uh, in Chicago, Illinois, working in the club up there, and uh, I was there three nights in a hotel, and there was a, uh, like, I, I don't know, elementary age, uh, like, traveling softball team. Oh. Like, three teams, and they were oh. loud all night long. They right? never stop. Running up and down the Girls the basketball team, little leagues, yeah, boys swimming, worst. whatever. It's Whenever you get, and I can, I don't blame them. You I get, get 15 yeah. of your friends in yeah. a hotel. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're 10? Well, so I'm in the hotel, and they've been loud for two nights, and I'm pretty frustrated by this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm down at the hotel bar, and there's a guy down there, and he has on one of the T-shirts for the team, I said, oh, you're with the softball team? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm, I'm kind of the chaperone. Uh, I said, oh, are you like one of the coaches? And he goes, no, I really don't follow the, the team, the sport at all. I don't really get into it. I'm kind of here because I'm kind of known as the hard ass. So I'm the one that enforces everything. And I go, oh, okay, what's that like? He goes, well, I've got my own little rules. He goes, here's what I do. Uh, when it's lights out, when it's curfew, I go to all the rooms and I put tape on the door jams. And if they open, if I go look, and if the tape's been broken, I know they've opened the door during curfew. So I spent a good part of my night going by with my car key, cutting the tape as if it looked like these kids had <laughs> broken curfew because they kept me up for two nights. Uh, uh, I cannot top. I hope I didn't piss Matt off at any part of this today. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. I cannot top that in cruelty. <laughs> okay. But I will add. As a as a fellow who's also spent twenty five years going to hotel to hotel, yeah. okay, uh, I, I I dropped this now because I just I thought it was too much. But I spent a good decade, a good solid ten years, and my rule was this: if if I tell you I want a noon checkout and you agree to it, right? If I say I'll be out at noon, if you start banging on my door at a.m. eight a.m. or something mm -hmm. like that, right? And I say I have a noon checkout, and then you do it again. I steal a hanger. 
Roll. That was my rule. <laughs> I steal a wooden, nice wooden hanger. Okay. So I have, I don't know, 200 wooden hangers. So it's not about you using the hanger. Some of those hangers are the little notch that goes in the thing you can't even use. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't, it's not about using. Right. It's just you're. It's about, it's about balancing their the evil in the world. Their inventory has been decreased by one. Yes. Of whatever it is. You, I have no problem. I asked for a noon checkout. You agreed <laughs> to this. We have a, a verbal contract. And you've broken it. I've given you one opportunity. I said, I, I yelled while I'm laying there in my bed, and you just woke me up. I've just been asleep for two hours. I said, I have a noon checkout. And then, okay, that's that's it. That's all you get. Sure. And then you bang on the door again, I steal a hanger. That's the rule. Not a, I didn't screw up 10-year-olds' lives, you know. I would I would argue they screwed their lives no, up. That's, okay, that's a good point. So. <laughs> Maybe take the iron. How about you're that? you're just the avenging angel. Right. Well, think, they made the know, decision. You just had to do God's work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought you know if I take if I take a pillow or an iron or something like that, that's gonna they're gonna charge me on my card for that. Well, gonna it's know. gonna take them a while to figure out where, you know, that a hanger's missing. But I'll know that right. I made it right. <laughs> it's stupid. I stopped doing it. I, I, I think you should start again. I think that's well. Funny. The reason, real reason, I stopped. I stopped because I got too many hangers. You got too many hangers. My God, it's cutting hangers into the space I have in my for house. junk. If anybody's interested in a large amount of wooden nice hangers, that, maybe, that can't be hung. Right? Well, some of them cannot be hung. Right? A lot of them can. Maybe you should rent a place to put those. Like maybe I don't know a hanger. All right, we're editing that out. Yes, we are. Absolutely. That was below the bar. Oh, yeah. Below Definitely the bar. Below the bar. That, that's that's that hard to get the there. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. good. It's very hard. It was not good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, any other, uh, you want to wrap this up on this one? This is. Uh, I think this is a good, con- I think this is a good discussion. Obviously, we don't have the answers, but at least we're all willing to go there. And I wish, I wish more people were willing to go there. I think this is the biggest problem between me and uh, it's definitely the biggest problem between. Well, I don't even want to. That's good. If I start going down that area, I'll I'll talk for another another hour. Yeah, Yeah, and we don't need that. I think uh, just the idea, just the basic simple idea, and it is basic and simple that normal was created by a group of people, Mm -hmm. and it changes everywhere you go. It not only changes for every country, but it changes for every state, every town, every house. Everything creates their own normal. So, therefore, it doesn't exist. It's not real. Right. So, judging. It's a construct. It's a construct. Yeah. You know? So, you, you'd be very hard-pressed to tell me the difference between a turban and a ball cap. They're, you know, they're, there's, not, there's no difference between them. So once you figure that out as a human being, which, as Lowell said, isn't a lot of people, which is so sad and depressing, you know, because this isn't a, you know, really, really intricate thing. I mean, you know, but once you figure that out, then it does become less judgmental. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, that dude wore his kilt. Good for him. Yeah. Instead of what's that dude's problem? So natural should be the, the new norm. Then we're past all this. And whatever anybody's natural is. Right. And that's the difficulty. I mean, you cannot live a life uh, of perfect uh, uh, tolerance. It just doesn't happen. I'm completely intolerant oh. to those who are intolerant uh, of people being <laughs> whatever they want to be. I'm so full of hate, and you guys don't even know it, but I Rage. really am. I am. I have plenty of mine. Oh. Plenty of my own. I have to work so hard. Intellectually, I know I'm wrong. That's what saves me, I think. 
Intellectually, I know I'm wrong and an idiot. And I know that 100%. I know that. So therefore, when I am me, then I know I'm wrong. So I stop. (laughs) You are ultimately woke. No, I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. I will be so, you don't realize, like, at my, on a, I'd say weekly basis, basis, if you're driving uh, with your bright lights on, death penalty. You know what I mean? Death, I mean, what? Yes. (laughs) You're probably not going to do anything in this world that we need. This is me when I'm behind the wheel. Right. You know, you just cut me off with no blinker. I'm going to pull you over and blow your head off. There's, you're, look. You're not going to do anything with your life that's going to add anything to the thoughts we've already thought or the humanity we are. You, so, but I know I'm an idiot, and I know that's wrong and dumb. Yeah. So I think, what well, I'm just going to kill. Oh, that yeah, does separate I'm, you I'm from idiot. a portion of the population, <laughs> unfortunately. Some of the uh, some of my worst moments are behind the wheel, without a question, without without uh, without a doubt, absolutely. Uh, I've been known to if someone we're pulling in, like let's say we're facing each other, right? And I'm turning left to go into a parking lot, and this person, uh, I don't know what they're doing because there's no turn signal. And then they turn right to turn in the parking lot, and we almost hit, which has happened a few times. I've been known to get out of my car when we park and then give them this, which is I'm I'm flexing my fingers, which means turn signal. We just <laughs> let me know what you're doing. That's it. And I'm furious until they see what I do, and then I move on with my life. Wow. Yeah, I don't like it. Speaking of that, let's end it on this. Okay. I go back to my beautiful, I think it was a 76 Corolla. I think it was the first year they made them. I bought that vehicle for $500. I loved it. Yeah. Um, was it, it red? Was, it was white. Oh, okay. It was ugly and boxy. It was. I loved that car. It was a stick, which was technically not. You know what I mean? Because it could start in any gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. There was a there was a large hole, pretty big hole in the floorboard of the car. Okay, so you could see the the road as you were driving. Okay, and one of my favorite things to do was uh, if you got it up to a certain speed, which was forty five fifty, that was pretty. You were going pretty good in that car. You know, I took it on the interstate one time. It it, it you couldn't get it to seventy. Um, black smoke would start coming into the and fill the car up with black smoke. So I would do that. I would drive around this small town and just fill the whole car up with this black smoke. And then pull up to a bus stop and roll down the window and go, you guys know where an auto parts store is around? <laughs> I don't know how many times I did that. I just to, I just to amuse myself. <laughs> it could be considered almost taunting people at a bus stop, too. It could be. You know, you're in a motor transportation. Vehicle. You're asking if they know where to get parts for a vehicle they clearly do not own <laughs> they, they don't own right, right. so it's really that. taunting so anyway that car uh I'd, I'd, I'd met this guy who rebuilt he got junk cars and rebuilt them right yeah. and he would sell them he'd turn them quick he'd make 150 bucks you know what i mean so that car w- was wrecked that little corolla so then i called him up and i said i need another car right so he sold me a 77 buick lesaber okay which was an enormous... You could put your Toyota in that car. In the trunk. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah. a do not disturb sign for that thing. That's oh. a hotel room on wheels right this there. This is a gorgeous car. I named yeah. it The Professor. Okay. It was spray-painted silver. It was not painted. It was <laughs> oh, spray-painted silver. Had maroon interior. Okay. Uh, I love that vehicle. And we're working our way around to uh, the do not disturb thing. It eventually, after about a year, I paid, I think, six, seven hundred bucks for that car. But after about 
you know, 10, 11, 12 months, it, it started, the transmission started going in it, you know. So you could, to get it to go in reverse, you had to pop it in reverse hard. And then it would catch and jerk you back, you know. And so then eventually, reverse gear, gone, totally. You could not move in, in reverse at all, right? So everywhere that you had to park, you had to make sure that sure. you could go forward. <laughs> right, you're living the, the movie Ode to Billy Joe right now. Really? Is that yeah, what he had it? a pickup truck that couldn't go in reverse? And it was, okay, it created a big problem. So, and many times, I I, I would say many, I'd say three or four. I would sit in parking lots for hours waiting for the idiot to come. So <laughs> I like I could, how that guy's the idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy's the idiot. Yeah, you know, because he he messed up yeah, my he parking. screwed up your plan. He doesn't know. Right. Look at this car. You know it doesn't go in reverse. Why are you parking there? <laughs> anyway, um, so I was at a gas station. I just put ten, twenty bucks in the in the tank or whatever. And then I got in the car, started it up, wouldn't even go on forward. It would not, transmission's gone. This mm. car will not move. So there was a homeless guy sitting there. So I just walked up to him and I said, hey, do you want that car? And he's like, what? And I said, that, you know, it won't go. It won't drive, reverse or forward, but you can have it if you want it. And so we pushed it into the weeds and he lived in it for a long wow. time. Yeah, he got curtains for the place. Wow. With a <laughs> full tank. made improvements. Yeah. With a full tank of gas, too. I know. It was That's sad. I was that was probably the worst the worst part of it for yeah. me was at the time I'd put all my money into that gas. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. But giving a car to a homeless person, that mess you know, that he accepted it, but sure. it took me a while to convince him it wasn't a trick, it wasn't It goes back to the I mean? to the mall where you were giving yes. away. Yeah, that's because we, as a society, realize we don't believe anything's free. Like you know, you have all those booths in the mall where they're trying to hey, you, they're trying to trick you. Yeah. If they're giving mm -hmm. you something free. They're trying to trick yeah. you. Yeah, you know. So, okay. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Yeah. I think we can edit it and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, we're not supposed to fix. That's what we talked about. Let things be what they are. Be natural. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll fix it. All right. I'm disrobing again. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this is the first recording of this week, and uh, it's great to see you again, my yeah, friend. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having good us. We have a pre-recorded ending coming up now. Ooh. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities is an on-tour production. Matt Holt, producer. Matt Holt also wrote that sentence. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on iTunes. Anything you do is greatly appreciated. You can visit our Facebook page also at Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. We'll post items of interest there, and you can chit-chat with other obsessives. I even stop by from time to time to see if I can buy anything from anybody. I've been Stuart Huff. If you've liked my obsession as much as I do, thank you very much for listening to me. <laughs>